Welcome to episode 36 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Uh, and pseudo, a, an emergency episode, if you will. And <laughs> joining us on the phone this time, you can follow him on Twitter at Sportsology. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason Mert. Follow the podcast at Stick to Hockey Pod. Russ Cohen joins us, and we're going to talk to Paul Holmgren momentarily. But, Russ, uh, when the news came down yesterday that the Flyers have uh, ended the employment and the general managership of Ron Hextall, what was your first reaction? You know, I had just figured it out. You know how you watch like a, a murder mystery and and you figure it out just before they announce the murderer? That's what happened yesterday because I had just texted somebody that I do a morning show with, hey, you know what? Because nothing has happened, I think it could be Ron Hextall that, that gets fired. And literally five minutes later, that's what happened. And so it took me all this time to figure that out. So it doesn't make me a genius. It sort of makes it weird because it didn't seem like the logical thing to do. But I think, look, I think emotion and frustration and all these other things played into it. I don't think this was like a a well-laid-out plan. I think this is like something that happens in business where, you know, a CEO leaves or a president leaves because just things aren't going right. And so now they have to adapt to a plan. Yeah, and the one thing, it's really rare for a general manager to be terminated mid-season, especially this early in a season. Right, and and to leave the former coach there to still coach is a is a tough spot because that's, you know, right now everybody can say Dave Haxall and the coaching staff is doing a decent job, but it, honestly, if they were doing a decent job, probably none of these other things would have occurred. So that's sort of the absurdity of it right now. And so, you know, moving past that, you know, and I always try and take emotion out of it and just sort of look at it logically. You know, right now, we didn't know what the Flyers' identity was to start the season. We definitely don't know what it is now. So, and I'll turn this one back on you. I don't think the fans have any idea what's going on right now. Even if the organization's acting in the best interest of the fans, from the responses I'm getting, they're as confused as anybody. Yeah, because they all they all had the crosshairs on the coach, figuring the GM was safe, and then the rever- role of reversal here is incredible to see the GM the one out first. It's a strange domino to fall first. It is a strange domino. I can't think of like another sport where it sort of happened like this, and it's not like you know. If, if I could see if like Mike Babcock were the coach. And this happened, and then they would just say, well, it's fine. It's Mike Babcock's coach, and we don't really need a GM right away. But that's not really the case. You can see this team, the problems they had to start the season are still the same problems they have now. I don't think it's all personnel related. I'm pretty sure that's what you think you could speak for yourself. But I think it's more than personnel. I mean, two things as an example. Power play and penalty kills still stink. Mm-hmm. And I and they keep adding personnel like JVR wasn't there. So then when he got added back, it still didn't improve. So to me, it's more about I. It's easy to just say, well, roster construction wasn't great. Yeah, that's all well and good, but they could make a trade and still get the same results here if they don't do anything about the coaching staff. Yeah, and the one thing too, I think when they headed into the season, and I'm going to ask Paul Holmgren about this. Uh, with the goalie tandem of Michael Neuvert, who can't stay healthy, never has stayed healthy, and Brian Elliott coming off a core surgery uh, when they're supposed to take a step forward, seemingly. Uh, that th- To me, that was uh, another uh, nail in Ron Hextall's coffin, if you will. Sure, and I, I 
I think that's all well and good. I also think that was Ron Hextall possibly told by the doctors who cleared Brian Elliott that it was all good to go? Yeah, I'm guessing that that was the case. I mean, so again, why wouldn't Ron Hextall go with that? You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he just decided, hey, that's just the way it's going to be, and hopefully it works out. Like, I'm sure he did a little bit more due diligence than that. Now, on the flip side, Anthony Stellar is going to make his first start since, like, 2017. He hasn't had that much NHL play. As a matter of fact, he's had very little. And he's coming off of, what, double knee surgery? Mm-hmm. So is there really any hope that something better is going to occur with Anthony Stellar's in that? No offense to him. He's barely played since, he, you know, he's been on ice with Lehigh as the third goalie. Now he's starting an NHL game. So, again, it creates confusion when things like this happen. Yeah, and five goalies in 23 games is a stunning number uh, in today's NHL to have gone through already. When you look at that, I mean, Russ, it's really amazing that they have a record that they do 10-11-2, considering mm-hmm. that and what they've given up. And, look, a lot of people want to point the finger at goaltending, and I, I get it. And, you know, I don't blame Cal Pickard. He's just not a high-pedigree NHL goalie. You blame no. the organization for being in a situation where you got to rely on a guy like Cal Pickard. You know, the easiest thing to say, though, as an outsider, and we're outsiders, the easiest thing to say is, well, you should have just gotten a goalie over the summer. But really, when you think about it, you weren't going to give Carter Hutton the kind of contract he got. You weren't going to trade for Scott Darling. You probably weren't going to be able to get Varlamov in a trade because they haven't traded him in Colorado. They're still using him in his last year of his deal. Bobrovsky's still in Columbus. He hasn't gotten traded. Like, really, what was really out there? You don't want to be in a situation like Paul Holmgren was before where you have to give a long-term contract to a goalie that was undeserving of it, like Bridge Galloff. Like, he was not deserving. I, I watched Bridge Galloff a lot before he became a flyer, and I was against that deal, especially that long-term of a deal. But we kept hearing, hey, Mr. Snyder wanted – the best goalie out there, and that's who they deemed the best goalie out there was. Yeah, well, and, it, and it blocked Bob. Almost in the same situation now. Yeah. And they lost Bob. And, like, I don't know if that situation has changed. Well, there was a couple guys. You could have gone after a guy like Yarrow Halak. You could have gone in that direction or, or a Bernier. Oh, but, okay, but to be fair, after last year, you were better than Yarrow Halak. Well, I mean, look, anybody would have been looked better than him playing in front of that, you know, that team on the island. I mean, they gave up 25 high-end scoring chances a game. Okay, so that's the other that's the other elephant in this conversation. If you get another goalie short of a Hall of Fame kind of goalie like Henrik Lundqvist, this defense isn't good enough to make any goalie look good mm-hmm. currently. Well, yeah, that and that's so the that's, other fundamental difference. You're right. Right, and that's the other part of this that – Again, when it makes it so sound so simple, like go get a goalie, well, you almost have to get a goalie like Dominic Koshik, where even if the defense lets him down, he can still make the save. There's not that many guys like that in the NHL anymore. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Woodley says it all the time. Goaltending does not happen in a vacuum. Right. <laughs> and to the point, the team right. defense has been porous and too many high-danger chances, but uh, yeah. there's also something to be said for a team that when they play – any mistake you make ends up in the back of your net and repeatedly early in games. 
And that'll handcuff yep. a team mentally, no question about it. All right, let's get to Paul Holmgren right now. Flyers uh, president Paul Holmgren joins us right now on the Stick to Hockey podcast. How you doing today, Paul? Thanks a lot, Jason. Always good talking to you. Uh, so we're talking under uh, circumstances that nobody likes to, to be in, and uh, you guys in particular right now with the decision to, to end the employment of uh, Ron Hextall as the general manager. Uh, when you kind of look back, it, was there several things over a period of time that led you to ultimately what happened yesterday? Yeah, I, I really can't point to any any one you know one incident that that became the turning point or the straw that broke the camel's back. It was kind of a gradual uh, um, process of what, uh, kind of what what's what's gone on and and uh, knowing Ron and and uh, how he how he works how he works and how he does things and uh, you know I, I I said it earlier we I just I just felt we were we were you know foreign. A little over four years into his plan, and and uh, I just think that in order to, in the best interest of the organization, in order to, we just need to, a, a a different, um, different mindset, a different approach to uh, to where, where we're at and and uh, where we want to be. When you look at this uh, particular off season heading into this year, where a lot of cap space is being cleared up, you guys currently have some now as well. Uh, was that an opportunity you feel like he missed to really improve this club and maybe take it to the next step with some big names that were out there as well? A guy like John Tavares, who ended up going home to Toronto, and then you look at a guy that was available via trade, Nara Carlson, around draft time. Uh, were those opportunities missed, and maybe perhaps an area where you would have seen a little more aggressiveness? Well, I don't. I don't want to get into. I, I, look, I, so we signed James James Van Riemsdyk. I thought that was a tremendous signing for the Flyers. I, I know Ron was active in in a, in a lot of things, and you no, know, he he's he's not a big fan of July first. Uh, he said that publicly. Uh, and having said that, I think he did a good job in getting James to come to the Flyers on a on a reasonable contract. So um, it, it's I, I, I that was a good step. Were there other things that he was involved? I know there was other things that he was trying to do. Sometimes you just, you know, you, you can't you can't get them all right. But um, you know, there's more of, more of other things along the way. Like I said, there's no one thing that points to uh, why the decision was made. It's just a accumulation of, of things. One of the things that a lot of people have cited, myself included, as uh, perhaps being a, a failed strategy was the fact that you headed into this season uh, with a club, as you mentioned, that adds James Van Riemsdyk ready to take what we perceive to be the next step. And you head into this season uh, with a goaltender in Brian Elliott coming off a core surgery uh, at 33-plus years old. And then you look at a guy like Michael Neuver, who obviously has a hard time staying healthy. In hindsight, that's something that uh, this team has really been plagued by this year. Uh, is that something that went into your evaluation as well? Well, that's it's, it's sort of like, um, you know, I, not not being in the chair and not knowing the options that Ron Ron had available. I, I think we all like Michael Moyers. We all think he's a good goalie. Unfortunately, he's hurt a lot. Uh, Brian Elliott's a quality kid. He works his butt off. He's he never quits uh, on a play. Like he's got a great attitude. Uh, unfortunately, they're both hurt right now. Um, I think if they were healthy, we they'd been healthy all year. We'd be in a much better position in the standings than we're in right now. Those are the you know the facts of life in the NHL. If you have have injuries, so I, I'm not going to argue what, going into the year with those guys. I think you know you go in hope, kind of hoping they're going to be healthy. Like you get, you know, they're getting these surgeries. Uh, you know what the doctor tells you. He's going to be you know, whatever percent. And the, 
far as I know, they were both told they were going to be 100% coming out of them. And then how do they rehab? What do they do? Did they do their rehab properly? You never know how these things are going to pan out. I mean, uh, could something have been done, done differently? I, I can't answer that because I'm not in the chair. Uh, and, and there was nothing that I heard of that we could have done differently. Ron was, you know, he keeps things close to the vest, but if he was close to something, he like to, he would, he would certainly share. Um, you know, we, we, we need to get better. And we, right now we need to get those guys healthy and then we other players need to, need to pick it up a little bit if we want to get back into things here. Uh, well, you're five points out as we sit here in late November. Uh, but let me ask you this question. Does the core of your team, your veteran core, that has not won a playoff series since 2012, does that need to be shaken up? Well, I, I don't know, Jason. I think that's, that's probably a better question for the for the next general manager. I, I, I like our team. I think we should be in a better spot in the standings than we are. Um, but having said that, we're, we're not. And we need well, there's work to do. So our, our players, man, when I talked to our players yesterday, um, I told them you got to play better, all of you. There's, there's got to be more emotion involved. There's got to be more intensity. We, we need to. Uh, Hack was right in there with me, so you know it's a it's a team game, and everybody needs to pick it up. Right? That's a, that's that's a fact of life in the NHL. Uh, Paul, when you're talking about slow starts in games, I'm one of those guys of the belief that players are professionals. That's really incumbent upon them. Some people interpret that as that's a coach not getting his team ready to play when it happens repeatedly. Dave Hackstall is your coach right now. It's an uncomfortable position that he's in because his fate will be determined by the next guy, whoever that is. Uh, how does he navigate these waters between now and when that decision is eventually made? Hack's a professional. He'll, he'll handle it the same way he's handled it. Since he's been here, he he he. See, he's the coach, and that's you know. Unfortunately, that's the way it is in the NHL. Uh, when you're a coach, you, it's game to game. It's not year to year. You have a, you might have a contract, but it doesn't matter. It's, uh, if your team doesn't win enough, something something bad probably going to happen, and that's just the way it is, right? Like I I I like I said, I like our team. I think under the circumstances, our coaches have done a a decent job. Can they be better? Sure. Uh, and they've got to do better now, too. Uh, Paul, let me ask you about, uh, you know, your staff, your GM staff, Chris Pryor and Barry Hanrahan. Will they remain in place in the roles that they're in, or is that going to be decided also by the next general manager and the people he may want to surround himself with? Um, you know, I, I haven't uh, had a chance to really talk to those guys. I, I They both worked for me when I was a GM. Um, moving forward, um, I don't see... Yeah, I mean, it's probably a question for the next GM. I mean, I haven't had a chance to talk with him since since this has all happened, but uh, I'll I'll get I'll get with him here over the next next few days. When you look at the situation you guys are in right now, and you said uh, in the press conference that you're looking at more weeks than months to name this next general manager, and you also mentioned a couple guys that are not, Dean Lombardi has opted not uh, to be a part of this, or you, maybe you guys aren't considering him, but you're looking for fresh eyes, a fresh outlook. What's the number one trait you want out of your next general manager for this franchise? Well, when I say fresh, a fresh set of eyes, fresh outlook, uh, different mindset, that covers a lot of, out of territory, Jason. I, I, I you know, I, I have a list of guys that I, uh, I want to talk to. Um, if I can get through that list, I think I've identified a few guys that I believe um, have those qualities that I'm talking about. And then I, I'll, you know, as you go through the process, you kind of pick and choose what you like out of each guy, and hope there's a fit. Hope they recognize, 
you know the task at hand, and and we'll we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, that's a hard one to, to answer for me. I, I uh, um, you know, the, the game the, the game today is uh, you need to you need to be very adept at you know in the analytics and flow charts and you know what's going on. Like a whole lot of things. So it's a whole lot of things go into this in terms of what qualities you're looking for and I'm, I'm excited about going through the process and, and finding the, the next guy uh it, when you look at that it, does your gen next general manager need to be a guy that was a general manager will you look at somebody that is a, perhaps an assistant right now and a rising star in the league uh I, I, i'm open i'm open so you're going into this with no restrictions in essence um yeah pretty much i mean i i, I said 99.9 percent sure it's not going to be a guy that's in, in in our organization so or has been so I've, I've eliminated a few guys that people had on their list I, I would guess but uh i'm pretty open well what's the uh what's the foresight from you and you're hoping to partner with a, a new general manager for the identity of the flyers going forward well to me the identity of the flyers are always going to be the same you know, it's a hard-working team a team that's gritty a team that's Tough team, tough. I, mean, I know those those terms change over the year because the, the games change, but it's it's still all about passion and hard work and perseverance and dedication. And to me, that's what, what that's what it takes to play in the NHL, and especially that's what it takes to play for the Flyers. So, um, I think you find those qualities uh, in a lot of levels. That's a general managership too. Uh, you were very aggressive as a general manager. Ron Hextall was kind of the polar opposite of you. Uh, are you looking for a guy somewhere in the middle of that road uh, that makes prudent decisions but strikes when opportunity is there? You know, I'll go back to what I said earlier, Jason. Fresh set of eyes, fresh uh, approach, different mindset. Um, you know, Ron, I think I said it before, too. Ron was very unyielding in his plan, and uh, I think you have to be – a little flexible to deviate from time to time and uh, in order to keep up with things. But that's just, that's just my, some of my thoughts. I, and when I go through the process, I, I hope to find the guy that's a good fit that I think will push our team forward. It's the right guy that you're trying to find. Uh, uh, last question for Paul Holmgren, president of the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Paul, one of the questions was asked at the press conference, and I'll ask you to go in again. Uh, Carter Hart is it with the AHL with the Phantoms developing. Uh, a lot of people would like to see him stay there. Others would like to see him up here. Will there be any uh, tactical change in how he is developed and uh, what we'll see out of Carter Hart both this year, either with the Phantoms or with the big club? I'm probably more in line with, with Ron, uh, how he thought about Carter, that he just needs to play there with the Phantoms and, and uh, learn and develop. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, I have not had the conversation with uh, our coaching staff, and in particular with our goaltending gurus, uh, Kim Dilba and Brady Robinson. I haven't, I haven't talked to those guys about about um, our goaltending at all. So that's part of uh, what's on my agenda over the next couple of days to delve into, and then you know probably uh, another thing that I can put on the new general manager's uh, plate. In the meantime, if you see an opportunity before the new GM is hired to maybe give you uh, some a, a boost at the goaltender position or anywhere else, 
Is that something that you can foresee if you see an opportunity while you're in this process that you will take advantage of? Well, I think I'd be pretty short-sighted if I if I didn't uh, listen. I, I haven't really talked to anybody. If uh, I have a, messages from guys, uh, I have no idea what they're calling me about. Um, but if, if something were to come up that I thought after talking to our staff was a worthwhile thing to look into, I would certainly look into that, yeah. All right. And uh, as you mentioned in the press conference, too, this is the last thing I promise. Uh, Dave Haxtall's fate will, in essence, be determined by the next general manager of this team when he is hired. Yes. Okay. Hey, Paul, I appreciate it. I know you're really busy right now. We appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll see how the new search goes. Best of luck, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Jason. Thank you. All right. There's uh, Flyers president Paul Holmgren joining us, and uh, we appreciate his time. Uh, he had limited time today. I could have talked to him for about an hour. Uh, I got a ton <laughs> of questions. But but one of the things, Russ, that he talked about and I asked him about was the core of this team and does it need to be shaken up? This veteran core that has not won a playoff series since 2012. I'm talking about, obviously, the captain Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek and Wayne Simmons, and, and, the, and the, the names go on and on. Uh, the inconsistency of this team has been the only consistency of this team. Now, that's going to be a decision for the next general manager. Do you believe that this core does need to be shaken up uh, to save this season and moving forward? Okay, so for this season, I mean, clearly you can't trade Jake Voracek. You go look at his contract, it's untradeable. Even if he was getting 75 points a year, which he's close to, again, probably this year, Nobody wants that salary. So I don't think Jake Voracek's tradable. Of course, Club Giroux is tradable, but then you don't have a face of the franchise, and he is a potential Hall of Fame player. People may scoff and gasp at that, but he's still great on faceoffs. He's still like the highest, second or third highest scoring guy since what, like 2010? Something like that. Second, yeah. And Yeah, and so why would you trade that guy? And he's. Yeah, it's a guy you, know, you put pieces was, around, yeah. Yeah, he's a guy you put pieces around, plus. He is um, durable. You've been able to put him at center or at the wing, right? So you don't trade that guy. So clearly it's Wayne Simmons. Like, he's in the last year of his deal anyhow. So he is the guy to be traded. Now, is Wayne is the value of Wayne Simmons where it would have been two years ago? No. No, it's nowhere near that. I think teams still want a Wayne Simmons. I think on a rental, he's more uh, attractive to a playoff-bound team, and we don't know if the Flyers are now. I mean, I think Flyers fans realize that, too. We really don't know what this team is yet. So, yeah, I think for, for Wayne Simmons, you could get another everyday roster player and a prospect, and maybe, you know, a mid-to-late-round pick. Okay, so let's say you do that. Is that greatly changing the fortunes of your team? Or... Let's say you trade Wayne Simmons, and I'll just use a name like, I don't know, Justin Falk. And so you get Justin Falk from Carolina, like the Rangers once got Keith Yandel, with one year left on his deal. Well, I remember the talk was then, well, Yandel might re-sign with the Rangers, and I was like, no, he's not going to re-sign with the Rangers. He is going to test free agency. So then, even though Wayne Simmons is an expiring contract, you got a guy just for an extra year who ends up going to free agency. Does that bring you to the playoffs or really make you better in the future? No. But it does so, change the core makeup of the team, and it shakes that locker room. Sure. Is that what we really think is going to make this a winning team now? I mean, I think it's more about defensive structure and the way the team plays and their identity. And no trade changes that. The same coach is there. But I'll, I'll get off that, that part of it and just say, 
short. There, Simmons is a guy to trade, and maybe it gives him a spark. But my other side of it is, JVR re-entered the lineup, and there was no spark. Now, I did hear on your morning show, or afternoon show, whatever you call it, on 97.5, uh, about, and maybe it was on your show, maybe been somewhere else, but I heard about criticism about JVR. Hey, Hexel signed JVR. It hasn't worked out. He's playing the third line. I guarantee you when Ron Hextall signed JVR, it wasn't his intention for him to play the third line and not be as big a factor as he could be on this team. And you and I talked about that just around the ring. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to continue under the same coach. Now, if the shakeup occurs and it shakes a spot loose and then that moves JVR up, then yes, that could help the team. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, Jake Voracek, and I'm not suggesting that he's the yeah. guy to trade, and that $8.5 million contract through 2023 that it does not have a no-move clause on it at any point, um, w- w- how much retention of salary would have to be uh, retained by the team if they did entertain a move like that with perhaps a trade partner like St. Louis? All right, so let's just say, what is that, five years away? Four mm-hmm. and a half years for 2023? So let's say... It's a million a year starting next year and whatever the percentages of this year. But there's definitely so, a salary retention if you're to move him as part of a package. Absolutely. I don't know. I mean, you tell me, corporations, how willing are they to eat money? We've seen them operating in other team modes, and they don't seem to be very willing to, to eat dollars. And they might have to eat up to $6 bucks, let's say. In total. See, the reason I bring up St. Louis is they have a player that's about to enter into a no-movement clause time next season in Vlad Tarasenko. He's a guy, do they want to stay married to Tarasenko? Yeah, I don't think they're going to trade him. I don't. You don't think that that's a possibility? I know Elliot Friedman brought it up. I'm sure he brought it up. And, look, anybody could be traded at any time, but I think at the end of the day, they would even look at Voracek and say it's not enough for Tarasenko. Yeah, you'd have to go further. But if you retain that, then the $8.5 million and you retain a, a million, it's a wash on the contract because his contract's at 7.5. I mean, you might have something there, but the idea is they look at Tarasenko, and I still think they look at him. I think Doug Armstrong still looks at him as a difference maker. Unfortunately, nobody looks at Jake Voracek as a difference maker. He's a complimentary player. Yeah, and the one thing, too, when you look at a team like St. Louis, they're a mess right now. they got to figure it out, yeah. and uh, their situation is, is not much better than the current one here, uh, if at all, as no. a matter of fact. And I think it's what's important here, too, is, you know, after talking to people that I know, I do a prospect show, you know, the Flyers have maybe the second-best farm system in the league. Now, if you want to tell me that's right to trade them, that's fine. I mean, you do low assets to eventually trade some of them. If you bring in someone new, are you trading the right ones? Like, that's that's the key is, are you trading the right ones? Do you really know what everybody is? Like, again, we brought up Sergey Vorovsky's name. I think if you gave the Flyers a second slot at that, they wouldn't have traded him. They would have figured out something else, and they didn't, right? So now, how do you know the right guys are going to be traded? Now, you could go by Chris Pryor's evaluation, and that's fine, but sometimes the new GM doesn't listen to the other assistant because the other assistant was attached to the old GM. Well, you know what happens with that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. So, so, I mean, we've seen, we saw last year at the NHL draft, 
you know, a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs ripped up everything Mark Hunter did, and Kyle Dubas, they drafted a different way, right? I mean, that was obvious. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, you just brought up a name that, I, that I'm interested in, Mark Hunter. Uh, let's talk okay. about potential candidates. Um, uh, I had gotten some information that Dean Lombardi was certainly an option. I reported that. That turns yep. out not to be the case. Uh, I haven't... Uh, I'm sure part of the reason is because of his relationship with Ron Hextall. Um, that is, yeah, what we're finding out is that's a part of it. Look, he's also a veteran. At the end of the day, I think a veteran GM looks at this and says, I don't know, this is maybe too much of a challenge for my you know, re-entrance into the GM market. So I think the Hextall thing first, and that second could be reasons why Dean Lombardi said no. So, or, or basically came out and told them, hey, I'm not interested, just, you know, by the way. Uh, Mark Hunter really was never a full-fledged GM. He was a personnel guy, an assistant GM, but never really had the full range because Brendan Shanahan was there and Kyle Dubas was there. Yep. So, does he have enough experience? I don't know. I mean, prospects aren't the problem here. So, I, I don't think Mark Hunter is necessarily the guy. I mean... You'll hear Chris Pronger's name, and some assistants are allowed to leave midseason like we Well, they shot down. Happen. They shot down Pronger. So they shot down Pronger, so yep. that's out. Okay. And, and, and basically, Paul Holmgren just told me in that interview, too, that he basically doesn't uh, foresee them looking at a guy that has any ties to the organization at all. And I know that's music to a lot of people's ears, considering okay. the incestuous uh, state of the Flyers over the years. I Look, and I'll still go like this. I am an outsider. I didn't grow up in this area, but I've watched the Flyers longer than most people, even in this area, right? I could give you arguments both ways on that. I know that the current feel of the fan base is to stay away from Flyers, guys. But, look, I think the Flyers are so past, so far past what they used to be as a team that I'm not sure that matters. But, okay, so then I saw the name Steve Greerly, and Steve Greerly is actually was on my show last week for SiriusXM, and... He's been on for years. He's a very smart guy. He was with the Rangers and the Sabres. I think he's done a great job. And he, if he was brought in, I would say, yes, you know what? Great move. I don't know what his contract situation is. And from what I understand, they haven't, the Flyers haven't asked permission yet. So we'll wait on Steve Greeley. But he could be one of those guys. 37 but, years old. Mm-hmm. And, and, yep. and Paul Holmgren mentioned they've got to have guys. a guy that understands analytics because that's part of it now, too. He understands it. Now, he's a very, very bright guy. But the, the other component of this that Dave Scott had mentioned is he apparently interjected, you can tell me if I'm wrong, that it would be weeks, not months. Yeah, he, he well, did say that, yeah. You know, again, we saw what happened with the 76ers. You set a stop <laughs> a clock on them getting a GM. How long did that take? 104 days. Okay. This won't take 104 days, but it's not going to take two days either, and it might still be a month. I, I, it's going to be hard to just get a guy to leave an organization, come to your organization, get him in place in any short amount of time. There's families involved. There's moving involved. There's all that other stuff, contracts. So I'm not sure weeks is, is going to happen here. It could, but I'm not sure. So... That's the other thing. So we, I can't guess who's going to you know, be the guy. But the thing is, there's a lot of good guys that are taken. Guys out there are guys like Ron Francis. And I know there's a hope that, hey, 
They sign Ron Francis. Maybe you get Joel Quenville because they played together. Yeah, maybe. But, again, we don't know what Joel Quenville thinks of the Flyers. I mean, that's, you know, we're in that situation now where if you bring in what you, who you deem is the best available coach on the market, that guy can write his own ticket, right? Mm-hmm. So he's going to pick the situation he's going to be in. That's the thing. So right now, as good as the Flyers' farm system is, a head coach doesn't care about that. You know what a head coach says? Who's playing for me today? It's like I used to be in sales for a short time, right? And there's a thing called the SWAT method. Sell what's available today. That's what NHL coaches do. They can only worry about what they have at their disposal. Uh, right. Quenville was brought up and said that when he became available, they talked about it. Okay, but that's... So there's clear interest there from Dave Scott. <laughs> When, okay. it, when one of the best coaches in the world ends up available. Right. I think, to to be fair to Dave Scott, who hasn't been in the hockey business for a very long time, uh, things don't really work out always just because you talked about it or want it or want that guy. Like, I, you know, it, it's more than that. A lot of times it's connections. A lot of times it's a the coach looks at the player's like if there was a Connor McDavid on the Flyers, Quenville might say, "Oh, you know what? Maybe I go play with Connor McDavid." But he's not doing that, is he? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there's no real player that you would focus on that, that that Quenville would scream, "I want to coach that guy." Salary's probably not an issue. I think they would pay top dollar, but they wouldn't pay Ed Schneider top dollar. I think that's changed too. You know, we know that the front office is not salary cap bound. But I don't think the Flyers have a complete open pocketbook like they used to to just, you know, pay a coach like a Babcock salary either. Yeah. Well, th- it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out over the next couple of weeks uh, uh, as they find the new GM, as this new GM gets uh, acclimated and uh, what he decides to do, how aggressive. Because uh, the one thing, the one word that they used was Ron was unyielding and deviating from his plan. That's uh, basically saying he was very stubborn and not right. changing and not changing for anything. And I think maybe uh, Tavares the not patience even patience is a virtue. We've seen it. Like, yeah, you know, there have been other teams like Winnipeg, my my cohort, and who I've done my uh, hockey prospect radio show with for fourteen years, Shane Malloy, brought up Winnipeg and said, "Hey, if the Flyers stayed on the Winnipeg path, they might eventually get to where Winnipeg is." But patience is taking away from that now because of, you know, seats, people in the seats and other things. And, and the last thing I want to say about that is, in the, in the offseason, the Flyers chose to create gritty. They didn't really market like JVR and maybe Giroux and Voracek and Konechny and Provorov and Sanheim. They, they pushed gritty. And so now with lower attendance than what they'd like, maybe they should have marketed the players. I think that's, that's fair. No, no question about it. Hey, Russ, we're going to put a wrap on it. Episode 36, an emergency episode. Uh, (laughs) But we'll crank out another one here. And as the dust settles, we'll certainly be keeping everybody updated. Again, follow Russ at Sportsology on Twitter, at Jason Mert, at Stick to Hockey Pod. Uh, Enjoy your hockey. We'll see what the effect of this is uh, on the ice. If the the determination of Ron Hextall affects the team on the ice, not a lot of games over the next couple of days, but they got one tonight against Ottawa and then Saturday against Pittsburgh. Russ, always a pleasure. Thanks. Perfect.